0: All right, let's talk some Mets baseball. I'm joined by a guy who uh, is a very opinionated Mets fan, but I want him on the record before this offseason starts so we don't, like, rip each other in March for what they didn't do, should have done, could have done. And that, of course, is officially the overnight host at WFN. Sal Licata. Sal, congratulations on that, even though I have been under the impression for a while (laughs) that you were the overnight guy.
1: You were not alone on that. But, no, it is official, and thank you for that. Uh, I couldn't be happier. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I could be happier. But, no, I, I love the uh, – it's been a long time coming. It's great. Now, did we do this last year with the Mets or not? Because I feel like we did, but I don't remember when. Was it before the season started or not? Yeah,
0: no? so I got lazy last year, and so we didn't do this until after or towards the end of the off season. I think we were arguing about George Springer and going after right. him or not, but it was already in the crock, like in the middle of the off season. Obviously, like the offseason has started, but it really hasn't. And I don't want to waste any time talking about the president GM search because the whole thing is just it's mind numbing. Like Sandy Alderson is running the team. Maybe they're going to hire some geek and name him general manager. But your view and my view on what the Mets should do is not going to be altered by that. Like the roster is the roster. So I don't know how you feel over the last few weeks doing your show. I am so sick and tired of speculating about team presidents and GMs that we really don't know that much about. Let's be honest.
1: Uh, agreed I'm at the point now where I'm resigned to I don't care just leave it with Alderson go spend Cohen's money and then wait for Stearns in a year or two because really nobody I don't want the lawyer guy although I wouldn't even care at this point I'm more concerned with the manager but here's the problem I have no faith that they're going to hire the manager that I want anyway which would be Buck Showalter Bruce Bochy you know somebody that actually knows how to manage so I have no faith that they're going to do that but I'm just resigned to go spend the money and try to make this team as good as you possibly can in the near future while, of course, building up the farm system and all that that Alderson talked about doing. I
0: I think the good news is they're going to spend. I mean, that is a confidence we have now. It's offseason number two with Steve Cohen. I think our expectations last year were probably out of whack where we expected to just sign everybody. And they were aggressive. They made moves. I know you wanted a guy like George Springer. I wanted a guy like Trevor Bauer. Thank God I didn't get what I wanted because that would have been an unmitigated disaster. But... Going into this offseason, knowing that the Mets had the year that they had, a massive disappointment after the start they had, what is your number one priority to you?
1: Probably Chris Bryant. I, I don't think that there's one area. I mean, if you're asking me, oh, is it pitching or is it center field or is it third or second base? No, I, I, to me, I, I will say this. I would go more lineup, and unfortunately, it sounds like they're going to go more pitching again, but we're at a time where the sport is now leaning toward offense and they want to try to build the pitching so I think they need help in that lineup and I would now be pushing for Chris Bryant the way that I was with George Springer last year I think their offseason hinges on him because you could either have him fill the void at third base or you put him in a corner spot in left field. Now, obviously, it's not just that, but that to me is kind of the linchpin to everything else. So that would be my number one priority, getting Chris Bryant. Obviously, the other stuff, too. He's won with the Cubs before, a clutch guy. Now, who knows if he wants to come to New York? You're hearing some reports that may be some reservations about that. But Chris Bryant would be my number one priority.
0: Well, you know what's funny? I think you left out the biggest reason why I think the Mets are going to sign Chris Bryant. And I've had, I've been back and forth about him as a player, but the thing that I believe is going to put the Mets over the top is the first-round pick aspect. Right. I mean, Good th- point. Th- this is a team that – and normally I would be so frustrated by, oh, we can't give up a first-round pick to sign a free agent. But it's different because they didn't sign Kumar Rocker their second pick that they'd have to give up is 14th, which is insanely high. Can't like do it. No, no team would do it. So you're on the same page of avoid signing a free agent that would cost you a pick for that reason. And,
1: and look, you and I go way back. We've been you know, talking about the Mets forever since I've known you. I never in my life once cared about draft picks. And I know that that's a priority now and I understand how important they are. And in this spot, and normally, like you said, any free agent you're out, who cares? Give up your you know second draft pick, whatever, doesn't matter. Sign free agents. In this spot, you. Can, I don't think anybody could blame them for not wanting to sign one of the players from the qualified offer list. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think they can. As a matter of fact, I look at that list now and just cross off the names. They're not coming yeah. to the Mets, which, to your point, makes even more of an emphasis to go get the guys that aren't guys who are going to be attached it, to losing that draft pick.
0: It's crazy because I feel the exact same way. Like, normally I'd say, come on, really? We're getting nuts about a draft pick. What are we doing? It, we would usually rip the Wilpons for it and say, ah, it's just an excuse for them to not spend right. money. But unless there was a no doubt about it guy, and that's not a knock on Carlos Correa or Nicholas Castellanos or Justin Verlander. But unless there was a no doubt, you have to sign this effing guy free agent, I'd shy away. And like I was intrigued by the Correa thing of signing him, playing him at third base, and forming this super-duper infield. Maybe it's my Nets bias, the three-headed superstars, the friends coming together and playing, even though one of those (laughs) friends is not playing for obvious reasons. So I was intrigued by that. But as good as Carlos Correa is, I don't know. He doesn't fit that slam dunk, it's worth giving up a premium draft pick kind of guy. And maybe that's it. I mean, if Mike Trout was a free agent... If I'm trying to think of someone else that would make it, and no doubt about it, but somebody who was a lock is perfect. You got to get this guy. I guess I would think differently, but to give up a pick like that, yeah. I mean, we 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 have to be smart about this.
1: Well, well, let me just ask it this way, and I know it's hypothetical or it's not, you know it's not a realistic situation. But if the Mets didn't have Lindor, and that's a whole other story. But if they didn't have Lindor. Correa, to me, is the best shortstop out there. I think the Yankees should go get him. If I were looking for a short shortstop, he would be the guy. So I disagree with you there. I do think he is the – now, he's not Mike Trout level, but I think he's a guy who is going to change a franchise for the better. So I So why don't consider- you want him then?
0: Then why would you want?
1: Well, them? because I'm already I'm not looking at that as a top need again with this team. And that, you know, that has this is why I have a problem. And I was talking to somebody about this last night with this team. They went all in on Lindor. Why the hell would you do that? It's not just hindsight. It's also thinking about it. They went all in on Lindor. You have to know that you're gonna to have to pick a, the litter with any shortstop that you want. Not only they trade for him, they commit ten years to him. He had a disastrous year one, and now look at it. You could have had any. You have the most money with the the, the most money in the sport with the richest owner, and now you're locked in to the position where there's the most players available. So I don't know if I think I would spend that much money again on another shortstop who's gonna to have to play another position. That's kind of why I'm not looking at Seager or Correa or the you know Story or whatever. I, I would look into Simeon and move him to second or third base, obviously, but I don't think that Correa is realistic for that. Yeah,
0: look, obviously looking at the way things played out, you're right, there's no arguing it. The Mets would have been better off maybe trading for Francisco Lindor, but not signing him. I just didn't imagine, and I can't can't think you imagined, that he was going to be this disappointing, that we were going to be in a spot one year into this contract saying, oh, maybe he's not the guy. Between his issues being booed, which I think are a major issue, I really believe that he can't play in this town. Like there are warning signs already there that he can't play here. I mean, I I know it seemed like a small thing at the time when that guy is laying down a bunt in the first inning, right after the thumbs down incident, maybe I'm looking too closely into it. And you, you could say, Evan, come on, you're being over overly dramatic. That's that looked like a guy, dude, that was afraid of the moment that said, Boy, I just, I don't want to get booed again. Let me just lay down a button and leave it to the guy after me. So, there are warning signs that this guy can't handle this town.
1: Right. But even without the result, and I agree with you there are, and now I happen to think he's going to come out of it. I I like some of what I heard toward the end of the season, where he actually started to take accountability and actually acknowledge that he was the culprit, but you're right. He was scared. He couldn't understand what's happening. Poor performance, getting booed. He's been loved his whole career. He was shocked, angry, frustrated, all the above choking McNeil, everything that goes along with it. But just think about it from the sheer business standpoint. If, you or I were running the team and you looked ahead as everybody did. We all knew what the free agent market was going to be next year. Why the hell would you commit then? See, it, were they about the, were they worried about the contract having to pay more in the end? Why the hell would you commit? To ten years of somebody, who you have no idea what he's going to be in year one. Just play it out, see how it goes. What are you worried about? What are you going to have to pay an extra thirty million right. for? What's the what is the worst case scenario if you keep Lindor under the current contract that they had him after they traded him? Let him play it out. Let's say he has an all star year. A, you get an all star performance, and then B. So what? You're going to have to overpay by what? You already paid him three hundred forty one right. million bucks. You
0: you turned out to be right. You know, my thought in the moment was my defense of this in the moment because I I can't defend. Now, but I have to be honest that I was happy when they signed them was this is our guy. We're building around him. We're showing a full commitment right out of the gate. Plus, up until last year, because 2020 is weird. It's tough to look at the numbers from 2020. I'd argue Lindor was the best of the bunch, you know, based on his defense switch hitter, the numbers that he would put up, the success that he had. Like, to me, pound for pound, he was the best of the group. So why not just lock it up? Why not just say, all right, he's the guy, let's go to town. It, it, what's unfortunate is that it was the worst case scenario. I mean, it really was. It just, look, I know his second half was better. And I know he had his moment against the Yankees late in the year, but overall it was a massively disappointing season. And I, I just didn't think that was coming. So that, that that's my answer to that. Now, do you want Baez back? Cause that's the other big caveat here. They make the trade for Javier Baez. Obviously, it didn't help him in the standings, but he performed. I mean, let's say this. Javier Baez was a – he performed well after the trade. He did miss a little bit of time with the injury. Do you want to bring him back?
1: Two two things real quick. One, I just want to make it clear. I did not uh, say that I didn't want the Mets to extend Lindor. I'm saying that they should have been smarter because at the time – I, I thought it was important for the fan base to have that piece. As you said, this was a team prior to that that didn't spend the money. They needed to just get it done and not deal with the headache and worry about him going to the Yankees during the season. Or, you know what I mean? After the year, if he had a big right. year. So I did think it was important. It just turned out that obviously it was the wrong move. Now, as far as Baez goes, here's why I'm a fan of Baez. Not only does he bring a different element to this group where he gives you the athleticism, he can steal the base, he plays great defense, he has the power. I know you, you you know, a ton of strikeouts, but it's not like the Mets or the Yankees. They don't have enough of those guys. Bottom line is they need good baseball players. Javi Baez is a good baseball player is he a perfect player is he the best player no but he's a good baseball player so they need to bring him back the problem is it's not the premier signing bring him back sure and then you have to go out there and add to the team and build the team but yeah I like Baez as a player because he provides a lot of things that I don't think other players do that they have
0: no I I completely agree and I can't believe I'm saying it because after the thumbs down thing I just assume (laughs) there's no way you could bring this guy back but Look, you said it, and it's simplistic, but it's true. He's good. He's really good. And I think the reckless abandon that he plays with can be a positive thing. I mean, you don't want nine guys like that, I understand. But the fire he plays with, the emotion he plays with, and he's damn good. Plus, plus here's the other thing. Jeff McNeil sucked last year. And I think it's fair to wonder, what is Jeff McNeil? They don't have an answer at third base. They obviously don't believe in JD Davis. So if you let Javier Baez go for whatever reason, what's the rest of your infield? I mean, are you then just saying up oh, Jeff McNeil's at second base? Meanwhile, Francisco Lindor is going to want to choke him by April twentieth. So
1: I, I think, I think it's McNeil's also the done. Roster. I think McNeil's done. I think Cano would be the second baseman in, in that. <laughs> Scenario, yeah, dude. I mean, look, he's canoe's going to be a factor here, one way or another. Whether it's second, third, or DH. Now, I think best case scenario is DH. That would mean that they bring Baez back. That would mean that they go get a third baseman. Look, and we're talking. I know it may sound nuts, but we've just said and they've said they're going to go out there and spend. Right? Well, do they want to actually compete? Because if you want to compete with the likes of the Braves and the Dodgers and the Giants and the top teams, they have work to do. That means it can't just be Baez and then fill in pieces. No, Baez's bryant Marte. this is realistically what they need and then by doing that you can move jeff mcneil to the super utility guy and have him play a corner outfield spot or play second occasionally or play third and maybe mcneil thrives in that spot being the top guy off the bench as opposed to relying on dom smith jeff mcneil jd davis to be impact players get real players in here and move those guys back to a lesser role or obviously get rid of them well I think they're going to sign Chris
0: Bryant. I mean, you laid it out as a priority. I'm almost at the point where I'll be surprised if he's not signed for the reasons we laid out. um, And also that he'll be the third baseman on opening day. And then if Brett Batty turns out to be as good as the Mets think, one of their top prospects, Chris Bryant becomes an outfielder. Like it's a very natural thing that he starts off as the third baseman. He ends up in the outfield. So I fully believe Chris Bryant's going to be on this team. Javier Baez is going to be on this team. I expect the infield on opening day to be Alonzo, Baez, Lindor, Bryant. You're right about Cano. I wasn't scoffing at the idea of Cano being on this team. It was more the idea of him being the second baseman. That right. sort of freaks me
1: out. I think oh, he's a DH. DH. Yeah. Remember, he, when he last left us, I mean, steroids or not, I mean, he was their best offensive player in 2020. So I'm not saying he could be that, but th- the idea we've all thought, okay, well, once Cohen took over, good riddance Robinson Cano, that is not going to be the case. Well, he will in some way, shape or form have a role.
0: And also, what's the point of good riddance Robinson Cano? Let's think there about is that. There's yeah. no point, unless you have this moral objective to the fact he's a steroid guy which which I don't <laughs> yeah I, I don't you don't like what do you want to do you want to pay him to go away no you pay him to be around look if he's hitting 125 yes you caught him oh, we we all agree then if you're Steve Cohen you write him a check send him away the guy can't play baseball but at first you give him an opportunity and because there's there's going to be a dh I, I think we all know that it's not even worth debating it there's a role for him You know, and also teaching him third base. I think he can play there once in a while. So I'm with you that Robbie has to have a role on this team. I just don't think it would be as an everyday second baseman or everyday third base. So
1: let's say I love this scenario that you painted because now we're starting to put pieces together and you can kind of go from there. Let's assume they sign Brian and to your point, have him at third. They bring back Baez. Infield is set. Maybe even in that scenario, McNeil is okay on the bench. You're all set there. What is your outfield looking like?
0: I think there are two options to me. Uh, Number one is just signing Starling Marte because, again, he fits the bill of you don't have to give up a pick for him. And so Starling Marte to me is more valuable to the Mets than he is any other team that's going to be in the hunt for him, whether it's the Phillies, the Yankees, whatever. Because also, what other center fielders are out there? Um, I don't mean this as a knock on Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo is fine when he plays. He don't play a lot. Let's just call it like it is. The guy misses a lot of time, including last year. So, Starling Marte, I think, is priority number one. Uh, My friend Ryan brought this point up recently, and he said trade for Cattell Marte. And I'll add to that. So, Cattell Marte will probably cost a decent amount. Switch hitting outfielder can also play the infield, but obviously, in the Mets case, we play the outfield. How about you lower the price on prospects by taking back a bad contract? And here's the bad contract, Sal. Tell me if you want to take it back. Madison Bumgarner.
1: Yes, because as you were talking about that with Cattel um, Marte, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, the Mets, you, you would look at them saying they're not going to be able to get involved in Matt Chapman, Luis Castillo, maybe Marte in that scenario because they don't have the prospects to trade, nor do they want to do that, so... How do they make up for that? That is spending money. And it's not just going out there and spending on free agents. The best part you talked about, I think they tried to do this at the deadline last year, but of course, typical with the bad luck of this franchise, there weren't those moves to be made as far as taking on bad contracts to get good players back. So I don't care who the player is. And if you're talking about Madison Bumgarner, sign me up because they need starters anyway. Why not have him just pitching the rotation? You're not expecting anything from him, but you hope you could at least get a start every fifth day a guy who could eat some innings, and then you get back a great player. That's what they're gonna have to do. They can't give yes. up the prospects. They have to take on contract.
0: That's the thing. And that's why Bumgarner, who let's face it, I mean, he wasn't great last year. He was terrible in 2020. He was mediocre in 2019. He's he's still relatively young. It feels like he's 35 years old, but he's only 32 years old. If and I'm just I'm making an assumption here that the Diamondbacks would say. Hey, we're not going to need as much back in prospects if you're taking back a guy who's owed another, you know, 60 million dollars over the next three years. But it's to your point. If you want to acquire guys via trades, the way to bring down the value is to take back big money and the Mets are equipped to do that. That's their best
1: weapon right now. Their best nope. weapon is S- Steve Cohen's uh, pocketbook. The way that the Seattle trade should have went down years ago. Yes. Right? I mean, that's yes. exactly it. Oh, you want Edwin? We, we want to take Edwin Diaz? We'll take Kano off your hands. End of story. That's how yes. that trade should have went. So they need that. And I do think they're going to look to that. Now, who are those guys specifically? Who knows? But let me just ask you, because are we getting carried away here? Is it realistic? I know it's the richest owner on the sport. I know they said they're going to go out there and spend. And I know they're talking about prioritizing pitching. Is it realistic so far the way that we've mapped it out here with – uh, bias coming back Bryant, and then either taking on salary to get an outfielder or just going out there and spend on Marte without even addressing the pitching yet
0: yes Okay.
1: <laughs> because it, sh- well, it needs to be I'm just I'm not sure if we're realistic or not
0: I, here's why I think it's realistic because Steve Cohen made a comment last year and I buy it he said we're willing to go over the luxury tax we're not going to go a dollar over the luxury tax if we're going to go over it we're going to go over it and I think even though it didn't work out last year, they showed you that willingness. Think about the offer they made Trevor Bauer. And again, I'm glad it didn't work out, but they offered the guy $40 million a year on top of the money they had spent already during the offseason.
1: Insane, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think they're willing to spend. Um, Look, if you make, let's say, that Bumgarner-Marte thing, Baez, Bryant, let's say they did all that. Yeah, they're not paying Marcus Stroman. Let's be honest about it. I think then there are going to be certain things you walk away from. I'm, I am still think they're trying to lower Syndergaard's average salary uh, as opposed to him just taking the $19 million on the qualifying offer. And yeah, maybe another starter that they add will be a lot cheaper. So I don't think that they'll be – I don't think they're going to spend $500 million, but I do think there's a really good chance that they're going to blow through the luxury tax threshold, whatever that is, And I think what we laid out, yeah, it's a lot of money. I don't think it gets their payroll to $250 million or anything like that. It's around like 230, 240 probably,
1: right? Plus, it's long overdue. I mean, that's kind of the point I I was making last year. And I know maybe Cohen wanted to come in and not just blow baseball away right out of the gate. But they need to make up for lost time. I'm all for being patient and rebuilding the farm system to make this thing a consistent winning organization, right? That's obviously the goal. However... In the meantime, you better field a team that can legitimately contend. So that's what I want to see. I don't think they did enough last offseason. Obviously, that was proven true. This season, then make up for it. Go make up for lost time and compete with the Dodgers and the top teams. And and to do that, they need that minimum. Now, they talked about the pitching being a priority. I like Strowman. I think there's great value in the consistency. I'm with you, though. I think that they're not going to look to overpay Strowman, where some other team might value him as a number one or number two. And give him over $100 bucks, which I think he's going to get. And I think the Mets would probably look to go in a different direction with less commitment and then maybe build up that lineup like we said.
0: And and let's also be fair about what their pitching is right now. Right now, before they make another move, Jacob DeGrom's in the rotation and, you know, knock on wood, he's out there making every start. There's nothing you can do about that. You just hope he's healthy. Carlos Carrasco's in this rotation. Uh, Taiwan Walker is in this rotation. And even though there's still the jury's out on how the Syndergaard thing is handled, I think Noah Syndergaard is in this rotation. Are you good with Noah coming back, or do you want to get rid of him? What's your
1: thought? No, I'm fine with coming back, but I I think that people need to – first of all, I would not have offered him the qualifying offer because I think that they could have gotten him cheaper. He said he wanted to be back, and it's not trying to take advantage of him. He hasn't pitched in two years, but regardless what he gets, I do think he's going to be back. I like him back. However, you cannot rely on him. I think a lot of fans are caught up in Thor and thinking he's going to be dominant. That hasn't happened since 2016 in the wild card game. That's a long time ago. So what is he we don't know there's there's no guarantee. you don't have any idea if he's going to be healthy and even if he stays healthy what type of pitcher he's going to be i'm all for him coming back but he is somebody to me that's you, you're just it's a chance you have no yeah. way, you can't pencil him in and guarantee he's going to be anything
0: no i and look you could say the same thing about the grom right now
1: because well, of well that's missed different
0: the, look i love jake i'm the biggest jake fanboy there is the guy didn't pitch in the second half of the year like I don't think we can just write down 33 starts on a 2.05 ERA. How can we? Mysteriously, he couldn't pitch in the second half last Uh,
1: year. No, I know that, but they say he's fully healthy. And look, that's just injury. If he's hurt, he's hurt. There's nothing you can do about that. With Syndergaard, let's assume everybody's healthy for the sake of argument. Everybody's healthy going in. What's Syndergaard? You know what Jake is. Oh, no, no.
0: You're right. You're right. I, I, I have Zach Wheeler PTSD in that Zach Wheeler is a tremendous pitcher. We spend so much time as fans invested in watching Zach Wheeler figure out how to be a really good pitcher. We sat there watching him recover from Tommy John's surgery and it took forever. And then, as he was putting it all together, they let the son of a bitch walk away. <laughs> and <laughs> I know that, oh, $19 million, it's a lot for Noah Syndergaard. Look, it's a lot, whatever. He can't pitch for another team next year. He needs to be a New York Met in 2022. And then we'll reevaluate in 2023, but I am sick and tired. Even Steven Matz last year, because I wasn't in favor of getting rid of Steven Matz. I really wasn't. I wasn't in favor of him. Let's go trade him for Sean Reed Foley and a bag of balls. Like we've invested his fans so much time into certain guys. You just want to let them go as they're putting it all together and then watch them pitch well somewhere else. That makes me sick. You, you know what, bo-
1: you know what example of that bothered me the most was Daniel Murphy. How they shoved him down our throats for <laughs> years. Murph, Murph, Murph. I was nauseous watching him. Couldn't play defense. It was horrible on the base pads. Didn't hit with power shoving him down our throats as soon as he figures it out and becomes a guy that can hit home runs and they saw it happen It happened in the postseason that's when they decide to let him go it drove me nuts and still does but i i get your point look cinder gonna be here and then you factor in um uh tyler mcgill and peterson yeah. right those are gonna be two other guys yes. They've
0: so- got, Sal, they've got six guys, and I'm not saying you should lock this in, but they've got six guys for their rotation right now, assuming send the back. And that's not including bringing back Marcus Stroman. That's not including trading for a starter or signing a starter. Now, I would view Peterson and McGill and say they're my depth guys. I wouldn't lock them into a rotation spot, but they, I, I guess the point is they don't need to add that much starting pitching. I would like to add someone of good quality if I can add somebody, but they've already got essentially, you know, four guys locked into their rotation because DeGrom, Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, and Syndergaard, if they're healthy, are in the rotation. So- and, and I'm
1: okay with that because I do think, you know, similar to a bullpen, you can build those things in year. Uh, a lot of times the bullpens in particular, but even with the rotation where you have that many arms, you if you needed an arm at the deadline, you can find an arm or two if you desperately needed it to put you over the top or to get you back in play. But Alderson has talked about pitching and pitching depth and also top-end pitching. I don't want Verlander. I mean, what are the top end? How Verlander at this point with all the innings he's had on that arm coming off of the surgery, leaving Houston. So who's the top-tier guy? They're not getting Scherzer. Who's the top-tier guy they're going to be able to get? Well, first of all, Verlander was
0: made the qualifying offer. So not only are you going to pay a guy. Oh, right.
1: Yeah, that's not happening.
0: (laughs) Right. Not only are you paying a guy coming off of Tommy John, but you'd have to give up a first-round pick, and they're not. I mean, that's just. No way. They're not doing it. And so now you say, well, what qualifies as a top-end starter? I'll give you a guy that wasn't made the qualifying offer. I'll give you a guy right now, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, I, I think that's unrealistic. I don't think the Mets will even go after him. Nor do I think Clayton Kershaw wants to pitch in New York. And I don't know how healthy he is, considering the way his season ended. But that's a top-end guy outside of that. I mean, is you know, Kevin Gausman a top-end guy? Is Alex Wood a top-end guy? Is
1: Zach Greinke a top-end guy? Not, not really. So do, do, do the Reds have bad contracts that the Mets could take on and get Castillo? <laughs> Joey Votto, except <laughs> you're not doing that. Yeah, that's probably Joey Votto had and nowhere really- to play.
0: Joey Votto had a really good year last year, but when you look at his age and you look at his contract, I still think that would qualify as a bad contract. But or you give up good young talent to acquire Luis Castillo.
1: You know, I mean, that's that's the other option. I know that. Do, do, do they have that though? Is my question. I mean, who you, you know, who are they giving? Up? I know they have some. I'm not giving up Alvarez. Are you?
0: No, I'm not either. And okay. I'm not giving up Batty either. But I'm not giving up Mauricio either. I don't know if they're in position to make that trade, but. At least it's out there. They do have the ability to make that trade. I, I wouldn't do it. I'd protect my prospects and I would use money as my weapon. Right. And I think that's the key. That's why I'm intrigued by the Bumgarner thing. And I also, tell me if you agree with this. Bumgarner seems to have such big balls that if <laughs> this guy ends up in New York, even at 32 years old, he's going to look it in the media's eyes, he's going to look at our eyes and say, I give you a
1: big ear. I mean, you know, you know what I could do. I'm Madison Bumgarner, damn it. So I, I love that attitude, and I do think he has that. However, isn't he one of these guys that is, you know, anti-New York, doesn't want to deal with it? Probably. And yeah.
0: I did look into his contract, so he's got a no-trade clause to five teams. We don't know the teams. But if I had to guess, it's the, the Yankees, Yankees, the Mets, the, Mets, the Red yeah. Sox, the Phillies.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. No,
0: look, I, I don't know how realistic that is. It's more using it as an example that, that's how the Mets should try to make moves by using money as the weapon since they have it. And, you know, maybe I'm nuts. I guess I don't view adding uh, starting pitching as the number one, number one priority. Like I would add depth guys. I mean, if you could add John Gray, super. If you could add Alex Woods, super. Because the truth is, they need Jacob DeGrom to be Jacob Grom. And I hate to say, well, if he's not healthy, they're screwed anyway. I don't want to have that view. But you're not getting anyone in the same stratosphere as Jacob DeGrom. So I would look more at the depth aspect of it than trying to get a top-end guy because I don't think a top-end guy exists right
1: now. And they did, to their credit, at least, I mean, it it was reported that they did try with inquiring about Scherzer last year. He just didn't want any part of it. So that was one that's off. There's nothing they could do about that. If he's off the board, he doesn't want to come here. What are you going to do? Because they knew exactly what you're saying. If DeGrom is down, that's it. It it doesn't matter. There is no replacing him. So Alderson could talk about pitching. And I'm with you, by the way. And I don't know if we're in the minority or what, but pitching, you'll figure that out. They have enough going in. And if DeGrom goes down, there's nothing you can do about it. Season's shot anyway. They need a lineup that can compete. That's the way that the sport well, is going with offense. And,
0: and let's face it, let's diagnose what screwed the Mets the last two years. That's what screwed the Mets the last two years. They couldn't get the big hit, they didn't score enough runs. So if you add Chris Bryant and now you're set at third base, if you add one big time outfielder, you look at that lineup. Like, for example, I was doing this today because, well, I'm that weird. If you add Chris Bryant and you add Starling Marte, those are the two moves you make. Listen to this lineup, all right? I already wrote it out. You got Brandon Nimmo leading off and left, Lindor batting second, Alonzo three, Baez four, Bryant five. I do have Jeff McNeil in right field batting six. Maybe I shouldn't. Uh, Robinson Cano DH, Starling Marte in center, James McCann behind the plate. Like, on paper, that lineup should should rake
1: should be awesome we've we've seen it on paper before and not pan out but yes that is a and that's different than J.D. Davis Dom Smith and Jeff McNeil in the same lineup and been expecting those guys to you know be the best versions of themselves every single time now you're talking about adding legitimate players and there's balance there's speed in there as well which I like and there's defense see the key to me is I know we talked about Brian because he's the big player who could either play left or third but Marte in center or a real center fielder that adds such a different element. Now you feel more comfortable with the way the pieces fit, moving Nimmo where it belongs to a corner spot. You could live with him there. Now, I don't know about McNeil and right field every day, but look, if, if you're loaded everywhere else, I guess you could deal with it. What do you do with Dom Smith you, and, and J.D. Davis? You're trading them? You're moving on from them? Bench players? I mean,
0: what? I'm exploring what value they have because right now we can sit here and say, oh, trade them. What are we getting for Jeff McNeil? You would think a decent amount. Uh, he's got a lot of control. I mean, anybody who acquires him, you're going to have him under team control for numerous years, and he's incredibly versatile. Dom Smith is a slick fielding first baseman, left-handed bat. He truly is a first baseman. He's he got to even- have
1: tremendous value because the team, he, he, like I right. said, he should be playing first base. So,
0: so if they have value, what I'd want to know is, okay, what can I get for these guys?
1: You know where I think Dom will be a great fit, the Yankees. Yeah, but you know that stuff's never going to happen.
0: Well, why not? Because <laughs> they don't make trades together.
1: Uh, I mean, I just it, it, you know, there's the Yankees would probably have a lot that the Mets could want back. I mean, pick something, but all and, right,
0: make a trade. What's a Dom Smith Yankee met trade? Go.
1: Well, I mean, the first one that came to my mind, but I, I'd want to do better than this uh, was Florial for Tom Smith. And by the way, what's up with Florial? We heard about him for years. Yankees need a center fielder. They're going to go out and get one. Florial's not the guy. I mean, I but, mean, when Estevan Florial was called up last year, he actually looked good, and then he would right. immediately be
0: sent down and forgotten about. You know who I was thinking about? we we're, we're sort of on the same page, but not really. I was thinking of Aaron Hicks.
1: Here's your center fielder, boom. I Aaron him. Hicks. I, I love. I always loved Hicks. The pro, and see, you, we shouldn't have this, but there are different expectations. See, for the Yankees, he's been such a bust recently because he can't stay healthy. However, in reality, he still is one of the better center fielders in the game if he could stay healthy. The way he was defensive and and you know switch hitting and his pop. I love Aaron Hicks. He's a real center fielder. But I'm at the point now with the Mets where. I, you know, I want Marte, I want a more solid known commodity, but I do think, you know, you just look at putting pieces together, Dom Smith would be excellent, I like him for the Mets at first, and Alonzo at DA, he's such a good defensive first baseman, but yeah. if you put that lefty bat with the Yankees, it's just a, it's a good fit there. I,
0: look, the Mets could go into next year, I have no problem with McNeil and Dom Smith both on the roster, and the Mets having a lot of depth, you know, based on injuries, Jeff McNeil right. may play everywhere. Dom Smith can play a little bit of outfield, a little bit of DH. Certainly days he plays first base and Pete Alonso DHs. But I think probably to, to to fit this roster, assuming they had an outfielder, because look, we haven't mentioned his name, but I think the assumption is Conforto's gone. No interest in bringing him back.
1: I wouldn't say no interest, but when we're painting the picture that we are now with the way the team looks, I'd rather do that than commit. I, did you see Ken Davidoff projected that Conforto was going to get um 140 million for six years I mean yeah what the hell on what planet is Conforto I don't care if it's the Phillies Rockies Mariners. 140 million get out of here no way Scott Boris is that good like I'm not I,
0: I saw that and my first reaction was exactly what you said what the hell's going on but Ken Davidoff's a smart guy He hears things and he must hear that there's a legitimate market for Michael Conforto, which for me and you sounds nuts. And, you know, we heard Scott Boris the other day trying to sell Conforto. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows what he is. He's the king of Queens, all that BS. All it takes is one sucker. It's all it takes. One sucker of an owner to believe in Michael Conforto and give him that kind of money. He's not coming back. He's not coming back
1: because I don't even know if he wants to come back, but what would be the number for you to bring him back? Do you have any interest in that or no?
0: Yeah, on a contract that Scott Boris would never accept. Like, number one, I'd bring him back on what they call a pillow contract. You know, right. one year, 25000000 million, let's go. I don't care about paying people on one-year deals. Go out and prove it. But if he wanted a long-term deal, you know, three or four years, $20 million a year, yeah, I would do that. Okay. But once you get to six or seven years, and now you're over $100 million, he's very, very untrustworthy. But... Like, the problem is, if Conforto's gone, Dom and Jeff McNeil are infielders playing the outfield, and Brandon mo basically can't stay healthy, what outfielders do they have right now? <laughs> they need to go out and add not just a Starling Marte or trade for Cattell Marte or trade for Byron Buxton or, mm-hmm. you know, whomever you want to come up with. They're going to need another outfielder because... They don't have a lot of outfielders
1: on this roster. Think, think about all these. So It's exciting on one aspect of it that, okay, we know the Mets are going to be players as far as at least going out there and trying to spend some money, but there are a ton of moves that need to be made to put this freaking team together that that's what's insane to me because you're right. You lose Conforto and and I'm fine with that, but then, all right, you got to build it up. We already talked about spending on bias and spending on Brian and bringing in a center fielder, either spending on him in free agency or trading and then taking on money. And they're still not complete. Think how many moves that is. So it's a, it's a, now it can happen and it's exciting to think about how they're going to put the pieces together, but it's just, there are a ton of different moves that this team has to be made uh, that that have to be made for this team before they become good.
0: It's going to be a, going to be a crazy offseason i mean it's going to probably be delayed because there's going to be a lockout on december 1st and then though i'll make you this prediction even though he's a boris guy so maybe i'm going out on a limb i think the mets are going to make one big move before the lockout and i'm not sure if it's chris bryant or if it's starling Marte. i do think it's likely that they're going to make these moves via free agency for the reasons we gave earlier that they don't want to trade a lot of prospects away and they're going to target these non-qualified offer free agents. And that's why Starling Marte and Chris Bryant are are mentioned a lot. I think they can end up with one of them before December 1st. But if they end up with both, if they end up signing Bryant, Marte, they re-sign Baez, and let's say they add a a mediocre pitcher. I'm trying to think of a good example, but not Stroman. He's gone. Mm -hmm. Would that be a good offseason? In completion? Or are you
1: talking about before December 1st?
0: No, no, in completion. Like,
1: that offseason. Marte, off Marte Bryant, Baez. And then a starter to replace yes. Stroman that's not Stroman. Yes, I think that that's both realistic. Uh, I think it's needed. And I also think that that would be sufficient for now. And anything else they would need in season, if they you know needed to make a, a push, which you would expect and hope that that would be the case, then yeah, I'd be okay with that. I don't think you can complain with that. As a Met fan, I'm hoping it happens in the next couple of weeks here. I hope we get a free agent uh, frenzy before December 1st.
0: <laughs> no, I know. And, and you – did you say earlier at the way beginning that
1: you want Buck Showalter to manage this team? Yes, I do. Why? Because I want somebody who I know for a fact – is something i don't have to worry about there are too many question marks with the team especially when you're talking about not having a president of baseball ops not having a a gm or, or at least according to the reports a gm who knows what they're doing as far as getting a guy that's been out of baseball for a while and being a lawyer i want somebody i can trust that can be an asset to the front office as well what is so wrong with hiring a great baseball man in buck showalter
0: I think that you need I look at this manager's job a couple of ways. Now you got to get the most out of your locker room and you got to know what's going on in the locker room. You know what I think did Luis Rojas and, and this may sound nuts, what did him in is he had no freaking idea about the thumbs down. Like you're sitting there managing these players and you have no idea what's going on in your
1: own room. He He said he didn't know about anything, not just that. It was the rat and the raccoon stuff he had, but he had no cachet to be able to control these guys, especially Lindor making $341 million. You think Buck Showalter gives a crap about who's making what? No No. way. He would whip them in a shape. Well, but I don't think that works anymore.
0: I'll tell you the guy I would hire and it's not for any reason other than I think he'll get the respect of the room. I think he knows what the hell he's doing and I think he'll listen to the front office. So he's got all those qualifications that you need in a manager. And that guy's Carlos Beltran. No, I
1: knew you were going to say that. No, but it's I,
0: true. No. It's true. It when Francisco Lindor is whining about, oh, they boo me. This is so difficult. Carlos Beltran could look him in the eye and say, hey, I know what it's like. There's very few people that are going to be able to look at Lindor in the eye. And by the way, Lindor respects the crap out of Beltran. Who doesn't? And say, Hey. Hey, I know what that's like. You want me to tell you stories? You want me to tell you the story about me hitting a home run and not going out for a curtain call and how stupid it was? Like, he is the guy, from a respect standpoint, from being able to relate to the best player or at least the most expensive player on the team, I should say, with Lindor. He's the guy, and he knows baseball, and of course he's going to listen to the front office. What's wrong with bringing him back?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, look, I get it. And when they made that hire the first time, I was intrigued by it. I still am intrigued by it because I think you bring up a lot of good points. There are some good qualities there. I'm just tired of going into another year with what is he going to be like? And that's a question that even if you hire Beltron, you still have to answer. You don't know what he's going to do. You, of all people, picking on every manager possible for every single move they make. You think you're going to be okay with Beltron and his double switches or his usage of the bullpen and when to pull a starter? You're not. So nobody's ever going to be happy with whoever that is, as far as in-game decisions go. But I know. We all know what Buck Showalter, Bruce Bochy, what Melvin obviously would have been a good hire. Whatever, what guys like that, we know what they're going to be with Beltron. It's another and not that he's going to be Mickey Calloway, but you get the point. It's another unknown or Rojas. It's another unknown. I think there are great qualities. You brought them all up and I would be intrigued. And I get into the nostalgia of it. I love Beltron as a player. Um, so there is a part of me that w- I wouldn't hate the hire. However, it still leaves question marks where I just want answers as opposed to questions. You can listen to Sal
0: officially as the overnight guy, midnight to 5 a.m. or 2 a.m. to 5 a.m depending on if there's a game going on. Is that uh did I describe that correctly?
1: Yes. Can you believe that I've made it this far? I mean, it's almost dude. I can, I <laughs>
0: believed in you.
1: What are you talking about? You act well, like, I, I, come on. I'm, I expected this. You know, it's funny. Right. You were actually one of the people after I got fired, you were actually one of the people very early on. who said, ah, oh, you'll be back one day. And I, at the time I never, I never believed that that was going to be the case. So yeah, it's just, when you think back, it's crazy to, to think. And I I seriously could not be happier. So Um, the best thing
0: let's get blunt here all right the best thing that ever happened to your career is getting fired 100 percent. and and this is this should be a life lesson for everybody because you wanted to be on air and you're damn good at being on air and if you weren't fired from wf and where you weren't you were doing on air but you were doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff you would have been stuck behind the scenes for the next 15 years
1: I was a a full-timer on Francesca's show working very sporadically on the air. I mean maybe 3 or 4 shows a year. And while it was the worst thing to me at that moment, you're you're 100% right it helped me because um, I, I would have never left. I would have never left the fan. Right, and and not only that, it just helped me learn a lot of different things, self evaluation, and acknowledging what I did wrong, and my attitude, and just all different things. Just in life, I grew from it, and used that time to build myself back. And luckily, I got at SNY. I've been there ever since. Uh, Two weeks after I got fired, I started at SNY and I've been there since in 2010 and then, you know, got back in a fan. Then I went to OR and, and grew as a host there. But you're right. Getting fired turned out to be the best thing for me because I would have never left. Ever. Right.
0: Yes. And now here's the, the the next piece of advice I'll give you. Don't F it up.
1: All right. <laughs> Easier said than done. But no, I've been pretty good for this, you know, for so far for this long. So hopefully we could, hopefully we make it entertaining and not screw it up too badly.
0: You will not F it up. So check out Sal Licata. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts podcast.